KSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we have some move out tips. Spring quarter just ended for UCSB students and summer break has started. That means that many students in Isla Vista are moving out of their apartments this month. Moving out and moving in can be a stressful process, but today we'll hear from Ron Perry about what tenants should look out for when they're moving out of their apartments. Ron is an attorney and also UCSB's Student Legal Services Advisor for AS and Isla Vista Tenants Union. Throughout the show, we'll get to hear about topics such as what you should look out for in your lease when you move out, what to do when you have troubles with your landlords, and many more important topics that you should know during move out week. Now you'll hear from our guest, Ron Perry. I'm Ron Perry. I'm um, the uh, attorney that acts as the student legal advisor for the Isla Vista Tenants Union and uh, at the Legal Resource Center, both Associated Students programs. And what are some key aspects that tenants should be prepared for when they're in the process of moving out? Few things, I think. One of the the first things that that every tenant, every student uh, should do is look at their lease, dig out their lease if they can find it, uh, and see what, if anything, the lease says about move out. A lot of times landlords will have language in the lease that says what the landlord's expectation is at move out time in in terms of cleaning and, and repair of damage and and things like that. So looking at your lease, being sure to ask the landlord for a pre-move out inspection of your place. This is something that is very uh, good for tenants. A lot of tenants don't know that they even have this right. In California, it's relatively new law. But what the law says is that the landlord is supposed to advise the tenant of this opportunity for a a pre-move out inspection that's supposed to take place in the last couple of weeks of the uh, tenancy. And so the tenant needs to contact the landlord and say, yes, I'd like to have that pre-move out inspection. Here's a good time. And uh, landlord and tenant are supposed to uh, try to agree at at a good time to do this inspection. Then the landlord comes out or the landlord's representative comes out and does a walkthrough of the place. And uh, so the landlord goes through the unit with the tenant. And then at the conclusion of this walkthrough is supposed to give the tenant a written list of the potential deductions from the security deposit, either for cleaning or for damage. That way, the tenant knows what deductions might be made and the tenant can address those things uh, themselves instead of having the landlord take the money out of their uh, security deposit. And there's a real problem in Isla Vista with landlords taking money out of people's deposit that is not authorized by law. And, And some of the biggest property management companies that rent places in Isla Vista get away with taking thousands and thousands of dollars from students. And it's the students' money. We sometimes forget this is a deposit. It's not the landlord's money. 
And the, and the law is very favorable for tenants here. The landlord has to justify, uh, if it goes to court, any deductions that they made from the deposit. And one of the, our goals at Valley Vista Tenants Union is to try to educate tenants about what their rights and their obligations are and to assert those rights when they get their money taken from them to push back. Because until we do that, until we as tenants call these landlords uh, on, on these practices, it's just going to continue forever. And so that's why we're always available. We do webinars. We've just done three uh, webinars on, uh, on Move Out and always very happy to talk with students about this issue. And then if they are required to actually have to take their landlord to small claims court, to get their own money back. We're very happy. Small claims court is not that difficult. A little um, uh, training on how to avail yourselves of the court's processes. That's one of our favorite things to do. You know, there's um, UCSB now uh, uh, has a connection with uh, something called campus storage. We talk to a lot of students about, well, I, I'm just going to be gone for the summer. I'll be back in the fall. What do I do with all my stuff? Well, that's one option now that we're aware of. I think it's campusstorage.com. So um, yeah, getting your stuff out and putting it someplace else for the summer. And what if you have a lease that goes through the summer, but you don't necessarily want to be there? You have something else to do during the summer. What about that period? A lot of people want to know about subletting. It's very, it's important to, once again, look at your lease and see what does the lease say about um, subletting. Many leases we see in Isla Vista prohibit subletting. It's just one of the rules that says you can't. Now, frankly, prohibitions against subletting are disfavored in the law and often don't hold up in court, but it's important to know whether your landlord has taken the position that you're not allowed to sublet. And many times landlords... It's in, as a way, I think, of discouraging tenants from subletting, landlords don't really often like subletting because it makes them do work. They have to review an application from the subletter. There's paperwork involved, and um, they'd rather not do that, it seems. And so they put a number of obstacles in the way of subletting, not the least of which is charging exorbitant fees, what I believe are actually illegal fees to, uh, in order to, to grant permission for a tenant to sublet. We're very happy at IBTU to talk with students about um, the issue of subletting and how to do it the right way. Often there's, it can be a little tricky and so a little guidance uh, can often be helpful. Um, what else uh, about move out is important? Um, Making sure uh, that you have, it's, this goes back to the security deposit, making sure that your landlord has a, a forwarding address for the accounting for your deposit or any other communication that the landlord may want to have with you after you've moved out. Being sure to give the landlord some way of, of contacting you because otherwise the landlord will just send any correspondence to the old address you're not living at anymore. And it may or may not get to you. It depends on whether you've put in one of those 
change of address things with, with the post office. That's another thing I recommend that every tenant do when they've moved out of any place is make sure they let the post office know that they have a new address so that their mail will come to the right place. Making sure that where you have roommates, how is the security deposit going to be divided up? Sometimes in the lease, you've agreed that one member of your household is going to get the money and, uh, and that person will take responsibility for dividing it up. Other times, they want to give, in this more rare, individual checks to individual tenants. Sometimes what they'll do, and this is really a pain, is when the landlord, they write a check to four people, and then that check has to be circulated and signed on the back, you know, endorsed by four people who are living who knows where, you know, um, they've parted company. And so in order to cash that check, you're going to have to send this check all around. So making sure that you and your roommates have an understanding on what's going to happen and that each of you has uh, each other's address. There's a few things that come to mind. There's so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, touching back on the security deposit refund, when can people usually expect to get that back? You know, the law is very clear on this, uh, that landlords have 21 days from the time that you give the keys to them. The giving of the keys to the landlord legally signifies that you have vacated the premises, you make no claim for it, you're not coming back. And so uh, it's from that date, 21 days, that uh, the landlord has to either refund all your money, or if they're not going to refund all of your money, send you an itemized detail accounting of the deductions that they made from your deposit, along with receipts or other documents um, backing up those deductions. So if the landlord claims, as one landlord claimed, that uh, the cost of uh, putting a new light bulb in was $75, they better have a receipt to show that that bulb cost $75. There's some crazy things we see. It seems like this time of year, uh, you know, the, the sort of things that some uh, landlords will attempt. Uh, last year, $145 to replace a toilet paper dispenser. Well, you as a tenant are entitled to uh, receipts. And um, one of the things we, we help students with, uh, and other IVTU um, assists not only uh, UCSB students, but all tenants in Isla Vista. One of the uh, things we often help with this time of year and through the summer uh, is what's called a demand letter. So your landlord didn't send you back all your money and he didn't account for what he took or what he took um, was not authorized by the law. A lot of times we see a, a student being charged for things that pre-existed their tenancy. The landlord can't do that. Uh, or landlord charging for things that the tenant didn't do. Or the landlord charging for what is considered ordinary wear and tear. It's, it's uh, very useful for any student who's concerned about, um, they've heard that their landlord is um, fishy about getting their deposit back. Google civil code 
1950.5. Civil Code 1950.5 is California's security deposit law. And I've said this many times that although in my opinion as a tenant advocate, much of landlord-tenant law seems to have been written by landlords for landlords, the security deposit law actually is one area where, where we as tenants have much more power. It almost seems as though it was written by tenants for tenants. And knowing Civil Code 1950.5 and what your rights are and what your obligations are and what you can do if your landlord messes around with your deposit. One thing, for example, is if you have to take your landlord to court to get your security deposit back and you can prove to the judge that the landlord had absolutely no basis for keeping the money that they kept. The judge can award you double your security deposit. And this is a way that we try to deter landlords from messing with this stuff. And so, yeah, knowing Civil Code 1950.5, just Google it and you'll say, oh, really? I didn't, you know, you'll find things you didn't know. Like a lot of students don't know about this pre-move out inspection. They didn't know that they have the right to have the landlord come and tell them ahead of time. Yeah, knowing this is knowledge is power, as they say. And you talked about how it's a common issue that landlords will take money out of the deposit and kind of fold the tenants. What are some other common issues that you see besides that? Well, right now, um, you know, we've gone through this, of course, very strange period, and landlord-tenant law has gone through a lot of changes over the uh, last year. Uh, laws that were put in place just for the, the pandemic, many of them will be expiring unless changes happen at the end of this month, June 30th. And it has to do with, for example, if the landlord doesn't want to renew your tenancy. Under current law, um, every tenant in California with, is entitled to be offered a renewal of their rental agreement, that they wouldn't have to move out at the end of their lease. If the landlord doesn't have a good reason, what we call just cause, to not renew, tenants in California today have a right to expect that their tenancy will be renewed um, as long as they're a good tenant, they pay their rent on time and they take care of the place that they're living with. And unless the landlord has a really good reason why they should have to move. We're finding in Isla Vista, some landlords just ignoring that law. Now, I should say at this point too, in my work at IDTU, um, we deal with the problem landlords, right? People don't come to us and say, I'm just here to tell you how great my landlord is. You know, that's just not what we do. So when I complain about landlords, I'm not complaining about every landlord. We have some in, in IV and in Santa Barbara that treat their, their tenants with respect and fairly. And, and those are the ones, frankly, I never hear about. Um, it's the other ones, the repeat offenders. And there's some of the most well-known property management companies in Isla Vista. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi from KCSB News. Today, we are speaking about move-out tips with Ron Perry from Isla Vista Tenants Union. We just covered topics about subleasing, security deposits, and how you should review your lease when you move out. We continue speaking to Ron as I ask him, how much notice should a landlord give tenants if they are not going to renew their lease? 
kind of, the way it works is every landlord is supposed to sometime during the tenancy in writing offer a renewal of that lease. It's not something that the tenant necessarily has to initiate, actually. It's something that the law says the landlord should be initiating. In response to the landlord uh, offering that renewal, the tenant should respond in writing saying, yes, I would like it, or no, I wouldn't. If the tenant fails to respond, then the landlord is not obligated to renew. But we, you know, in IV, one of the things that has happened historically is you know, you move into a place in the fall for fall quarter, and then January, February, March, somewhere along there, landlords come to their tenants and say, hey, what about next September? And you're forced to decide in March what you want to do in September. And uh, that's a real problem uh, for tenants. Because that's done, of course, totally, or at least primarily for the convenience of the landlord, that making you, the tenant, commit to what you're going to be doing in the fall. And of course, this last year, that was a big problem, because if you renewed your tenancy last year in February, COVID hits in March, now we're remote learning, why would I come to Isla Vista in September? I'll, I'll stay with my folks or I'll stay someplace cheaper. But many Isla Vista landlords, almost all Isla Vista landlords said, nope, you signed a lease in February and I'm going to hold you to it. And, and they did. They weren't like the university, which did what I believe is the right thing, which is to say, this is an unforeseen circumstance. None of us could have predicted this. We'll let you out of, out of the contract. And they did. But Isla Vista landlords, if they did, I didn't hear about it. And I certainly talked to many, many students for whom their landlord said, no, you signed a contract, you're stuck with it. Either find a subletter or, but, you know, you're bound. We want our money. I've also heard that a lot of houses in Isla Vista have mold problems. Mm. What do tenants do when they find that issue in their house? Yeah, it is the latest thing. I'll tell you, we've had so many inquiries. In fact, IVTU, we're starting to develop a bit of an expertise in mold. Who knew? Um, but uh, in fact, one of the projects we're, we're working on is a mold survey to just try to get an idea of the extent. We have a, a sort of anecdotal uh, idea of that it seems very widespread in IV, um, but we're doing a, a survey to try to get better uh, data. And, um, and we're, um, we're going to purchase a number of mold test kits that we hope to be able to distribute to students, to tenants, so that they can test the mold themselves. Because there's different kinds of mold. Some are more dangerous than others. And, and some people are more, it seems, susceptible to mold-related sickness than others. And the science is actually not so great yet. There's a lot more that we have to learn about mold, about why, why it affects certain people in certain ways and, and others differently. But the, the most important thing to do is, one, let your landlord know right away. I know that's easy to say. Because sometimes you go to a landlord and you say, I have this 
thing that needs to be repaired and you don't get the response of thank you for letting us know about it. We'll get on it right away. Maybe that happens a lot. Again, if that's happening a lot, I wouldn't hear about it. I, what I hear about is the students who come to me and say, I'm afraid to even say anything to the landlord because I'll get a bill. And then I won't want to pay the bill because it's not my fault there's mold. So telling the landlord right away when you discover it. And there are things that one can do as a tenant to minimize mold growing in your apartment. And, and it's in almost everybody's lease now. Open the windows. I can make sure you have good ventilation, turn on the fan if it's a bathroom fan kind of situation. Uh, so do what you can as a tenant. But sometimes as a tenant, you can't do, do anything. The, usually the bad molds, the ones we are really worried about, uh, come as a result of things that have nothing to do with the tenant, like primarily leaky plumbing. Plumbing behind a wall, for example, that eventually seeps through the drywall um, and you start seeing the mold or leaks from upstairs or a very common one is if around your window um, you start seeing mold gathering around the, the, the outsides of the window that's usually because the caulking around the window has deteriorated and now water is getting mold means there's water where water is not supposed to be and so telling your landlord about it at the earliest possible date. Um, and then um, uh, you, you're going to have to do some negotiation with your landlord probably about how the mold will be remediated. Landlords under current law don't have an obligation if they bring in a, uh, a mold person to tell you what that mold person found out. That's something another project that Isla Vista Tenants Union is working on is to see if we can find a way to compel landlords to tell their tenants what kind of mold they're living with. It, under the current law, you can find out once there's a lawsuit, but not prior to that. And landlords we've dealt with are not volunteering to give that information. That's one of the reasons we want to distribute the mold test kits is so that tenants uh, can find out for themselves and they won't have to rely on, on the landlord. Uh, mold remediation, when you've got bad mold, um, is a very serious and often expensive undertaking. If you've ever seen, um, you know, after a place gets flooded, the mold remediation people come in these hazmat uh, outfits and they screen off with plastic and there's giant fans. And so you want to try to get at the mold before it turns into that. The issues we deal with at IVTU often come up when now this massive role remediation has to take place and the tenant has to vacate um, either because it's unsafe, unhealthy, or to let the construction people, the remediation people come in to do their work. The tenant most times is uh, gonna be entitled to a few things, that the rent will not be owed for that period of time that the place is uninhabitable, that they've had to move out. If, they, uh, if the reason that the place has mold is the landlord's failure to properly maintain their plumbing, or to make sure that the caulk around the window is sound. And, and, and so it's not the tenant's fault. The landlord is negligent. 
and 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 that's why the uh, mold uh, exists. That landlord should be paying to put that tenant up someplace if the tenant needs that, and any other direct uh, expenses that that tenant might have as a result of the landlord's failure to maintain the premises in habitable condition. If a tenant gets sick from a harmful type of mold, what's the landlord obligated to do for them, or is there any obligation? Yeah, under California's what we call the warranty of habitability, uh, I think it was in the 70s is when California was the first state to determine that landlords have an obligation under the law to maintain the premises in habitable condition. Their failure to do that can, uh, tenants have certain remedies available when their landlord fails to maintain the premises in habitable condition. And uh, And that can include if the tenant gets sick as a result of something that the landlord has failed to do that the landlord is supposed to do. It becomes a personal injury case like other personal injury cases. If you're sick, because your landlord was negligent, well, you have a right to sue. Um, You have a claim against that landlord for the physical effects of living in that unsafe, unhealthy environment. And that can apply, you know, mold isn't the only, sometimes we don't see it much anymore, but lead paint in older places, lead paint is chipping off and, and people are breathing this and stuff. It can be especially dangerous to children. Asbestos still from time to time, we, we see where tenants are exposed to asbestos because the landlord failed to maintain the premises in habitable condition. And, and those turn into sometimes into personal injury losses. And just to kind of wrap it up, where can students and tenants find resources for when they're having issues with housing and landlords? Well, uh, of course, us, the uh, Isla Vista Tenants Union, you can make appointments with me or my colleague Robin Unander. Right now we have students who are acting as what we call move out ambassadors who are uh, talking with students about the um, move out process. So going to uh, ivtu.as.ucsb.edu and you can make an appointment with, with one of us the community housing office, UCSB community housing office can be very helpful, especially in um, talking directly with Isla Vista landlords with whom they've developed a reputation. And then um, a lot of people don't know about the mediator. The Isla Vista Community Services District uh, mediate uh, bet- in uh, tenant versus tenant kinds of disputes. Great resource, especially a way of, of trying to avoid lawyers and then courts and things like that. I think it's always best, and I can say this as a lawyer, you know, try to find an alternative. The legal system is imperfect, of course. It's made up of human beings. And and so if there are perhaps better ways to resolve disputes between tenants and landlords, in um, to contact uh, the mediator, uh, you go to Isla Vista CSD dot ca dot gov i love this community services district and they have a link there where um you can make an appointment with an attorney he's a he's a mediator and an attorney and and that's um a good way of trying to find some resolution without having to 
go the legal route. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for all of these move out tips. I'm sure a lot of UCSB students or Isle of Vista tenants will really appreciate this. Uh, I'm happy. Happy. Thanks for inviting me. That was Ron Perry, an attorney and advisor for Isle of Vista Tenants Union and AS Student Legal Services Advisor. According to the Isla Vista Community Services District, move-out dates are from June 9th to June 25th, and you can find more tips and resources on their website, islavistacsd.ca.gov, under Resources for You and Move-Out 2021. Make sure to also check out the Isla Vista Tenants Union website at ivtu.as.ucsb.edu if you have any questions or concerns about your household. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.